Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. There are battles that God wants us to engage in. And you can't win a war and you can't win a battle that you don't engage in the fight. What I want you to have in your mind, even before we jump in, is what are the battles that you need to be fighting? What are the areas? What are the things? What is there in your life where God is saying, I I want you to pick a fight with this thing. I want to have a war here. I want to get a victory in this area of your life. You can't win a fight that you keep running from. You can't win a war. You can't win a battle that you keep backing away from. There's a spiritual realm, one that you cannot see, where God and Satan are battling for your soul. They both want control. Sometimes, God asks you to join in. Pastor Bill will be encouraging you today to go, to step into the battle. Maybe it's a sin that has a firm grip on your heart. Maybe it's a blind spot he recently opened your eyes to. Or maybe the battle is on your knees praying fervently for a breakthrough in someone else's life. Whatever it is, put on the armor of God and join the fight. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Numbers chapter 21 as he begins his message, Taking New Ground. Brief recap, we were looking at Israel was, it was kind of the last, not not the last, because there would be more mistakes, but uh, last was kind of the cleanup. You know, they were complaining again. We saw that the next generation of kids had learned to complain from their parents. And so they were out there complaining against God and everything else. And so God sent serpents. God sent the serpents and they were being bitten and they were dying. And then as the people repented, they confessed to Moses their sins and Moses prayed for them. And God told Moses, go get a, a pole and put a bronze serpent on the pole and hold it up. And everybody that will look to the pole, they'll be healed. And that was a direct correlation to what Jesus said in John 3. He pointed back to that story and said that when he's lifted up, all those that will look to him in the same way that that pole was lifted up, as Jesus would be lifted up on the cross, those that would look to him and believe in him would be saved. Those that would look to the serpent on the pole would be healed. And so that was where we left off. Now as you come into this, I titled it Taking New Ground. And it seems like, you know, God has dealt with the sin issue again. And punishment has gone out again, and people have died again. But every time that happens, there's a purifying effect. Um, Once sin's dealt with, and unfortunately, part of human nature, it seems like, you know, people go along fine with sin until the consequences start hitting them. They were sinning and going along just fine until people start dropping dead from those serpents. And then immediately, they were like, God, we're sorry. And they acknowledged what they did. And so it did have a purifying effect. So we're going to see a couple things as they begin traveling. They're going to get right on the border of the promised land. They're moving in the right direction. Finally, they're going to be traveling along the border again. We're going to see something that happened in a previous chapter as they wanted to cross through one of the lands. If you guys might remember, and they asked, hey, could you let us pass through? We won't bother your land. Anything we use, we'll pay you for it. And the Edomites told them, no, can't do it. And so they went around and remember they were greatly discouraged and they started complaining. Today, it's going to be a similar situation where they actually go through the land and the people tell them no. But the people even go a step further in coming out to fight. And so if there's a, I'm going to just tell you up front, there's an overwhelming or overriding thing. It's this, that there are battles that God wants us to engage in. And you can't win a war and you can't win a battle that you don't engage in the fight. What I want you to have in your mind, even before we jump in, is 
What are the battles that you need to be fighting? What are the areas? What are the things? What is there in your life where God is saying, I I want you to pick a fight with this thing. I want to have a war here. I want to get a victory in this area of your life. You can't win a fight that you keep running from. You can't win a war. You can't win a battle that you keep backing away from. At some point, you got to face up and battle that the Lord might give you his victory. And so with that, let's look at verses. uh, Let's start at verse 10. So numbers 21, I'm going to read verses 10 through 15 right now. It says, now the children of Israel moved and camped in Oboth. You're going to have to forgive my enunciation of some of these places. I've never been to them, so just roll with me. You'll never be, you probably never go either. So verse 11, and they journeyed from Oboth and camped at Ijabiram in the wilderness, which is east of Moab toward the sunrise. From there, they moved and camped in the valley of Zerid. From there, they moved and camped on the other side of the Arnon, which is in the wilderness that extends from the border of the Amorites for The Arnon is the border of Moab between Moab and the Amorites. Therefore, it is said in the book of the wars of the Lord, Waheb and Sufa. I'll come back to that. The brooks of the Arnon and the slope of the brooks that reaches to the dwelling of the Ar and lies on the border of Moab. Okay, so this is what all that is. I just wanted to read that whole chunk so we can get it out of the way. So this is going to be we're going to be covering some of the traveling of Israel. They're, they're making their way toward the border of the promised land. And so these are the towns or the areas that they were making their way through as they traveled. That's what's significant here. So if you pull out a map of Israel or if you pull out a map of the area where they were at, you could see their travels and the areas that they went through. We know that they went through some areas where there was enemy territory, non-hostile. We'll see that they're going to go through some area where it isn't even part of what God promised them. But they're going to end up taking land anyway because, you know, the fight jumps off. So as they're making their way through these lands, they're going to have some some challenges to come up along the way. One thing I want to point out in verse 14, it says, therefore, it is said in the book of the wars of the Lord. And that phrase, Waheb and Supa, in the Latin vocate, that phrase is saying what God did at the Red Sea. So they're looking back at the victories that God gave them. This is what's significant here. Some people look at this and they see the Bible's incomplete. It's talking about a book that we don't have. There are other books mentioned in the Bible that are not here, that are quoted. The book of, you know, there are other books that are quoted. And this is what I came up with looking at that. You know, there are things that are quoted that are not necessary for to be in the canon of Scripture. Some of it's mentioned as as a matter of history. Uh, Even Paul quoted from secular poets of his day in his book. We didn't need the whole book of whatever that poet was put in the Bible, what was quoted was what was quoted in scripture is what we needed. So I just will point that out because for some, they look at this and they say, see, there's, there's the Bible talks about books that we don't have. And what this gives way to is history channel and other folks like that, that are really against the Bible, um, making up books saying these are the missing books of the Bible. They're tricking you. They're hiding out. They're keeping something from you. Not true. So this was just a book of wars. And so it must've been a, a historical recording of the wars of Israel, and we don't really have a copy of it. So that's as significant as that will be for us. So uh, they're making their way through, and it says that verse 15, and the slope of the brooks that reach as far as the dwelling of Ar that lies on the border of Moab. One thing we know about Moab from the Psalms, God says about Moab that it is, you might know what it is, you might know? Wash pot, you might know what that is? Toilet bowl. Moab is, is uh, I mean, that's kind of low. God said that's, that's Moab, toilet bowl. You know, it's not a, nothing significant, nothing wonderful. That's why it's so amazing in the book of Ruth 
that um, this Moabite woman would come. Uh, people that in one sense were accursed would come and, and believe in the God of Israel and, and even become part of the, in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. You know, that God would redeem her from where she was and, and do a great thing in her life. And so now as we come back here, they're going to continue their journey. Look at verses 16 through 20. It says, from there they went to Beer, which is the well where the Lord said to Moses, gather the people together and I will give them water. Then Israel sang this song, spring up, O well, all of you sing to it. The well, the leaders sank, dug by the nation's nobles, by the lawgiver with their staves. And from the wilderness, they went to Matanah, from Matanah to Nathaniel and from Nathaniel to Bamoth and from Bamoth in the valley that is in the country of Moab to the top of Pisgah, which looks down on the wasteland. So come back up with me. It's reminding them now of something that God did, and it takes them back to where God gave them water. And I want you to note something that they did. They, they memorialized this thing that God did by singing a song. They wrote a song. Uh, it's recorded here. There's actually a couple of poetic things in this chapter where songs break forth from different victories that God gave. And I think there's a, a lesson in that for us. I know that it's God's heart that we be a people of praise. What has been their issue all along? What have they been punished by God for doing over and over again? Complaining. Notice that you cannot praise and complain. Can't. If you find that you're in a complaining attitude, if you got a, if you're just feeling grumpy and you feel like everything, you need to praise, right? That's the one thing that a believer has. We always have, if we'll be, if we'll look to the Lord, if we'll look at the reality of what God has done for us, there's always something to praise him for in the midst of whatever we're going through. And so in this moment, and it's recorded just like their mistakes are recorded, they praise God for the water. Now, I read the stories and I think, you know, you know, you wish it would have lasted longer. You know, they seem like, uh, you know, there'd be moments where they're like, all right, Lord, thank you. Yeah, you know, and then it just seems like almost no time goes by and they're right back kicking rocks and complaining. And I think we can be just like that. This is the weakness of being emotional, overly emotional. Emotions are just, whoo, they just swing high, they swing low. If you watch, you know, you can, you can just see it in, in certain scenarios and certain people. You, you can see someone go from laughter, you know, and, and just fun to just crying or sad or fear. Emotions can be all over the place in moments. It can't really, if you're an emotionally given over to your emotions person, it's going to be hard for you to be solid and stable and steady because we all have emotions. You know, we may feel happy when something happens goes good, and then we may feel bad when something goes wrong. I mean, you could just go back and forth. Um, I was listening to Pastor Chuck on the radio this morning. He was talking about this very thing, and he said, you know, um, if someone came in and they, they said, you know, told them all their problems, they, I, I, need, I need a check for all my bills, and he said, you know what? I'm going to write you a check, cover all your bills. Boom. Take, this all, take care of all your bills. So they leave happy. All right. He said, until they get to the bank and try to cash it and then realize ain't no money in it. And then the same thing that you were just happy about, now you're, you'd be angry or, or sad or bummed out and that's where it could just go like that. That's something we see happening here with them. Moments they do the right thing. Right now they, they praise God for what he did. Um, they praise him for the water. They praise him for his provision in that moment. And that was the right thing to do. Uh, but for some reason they just couldn't stay in that place. And so I would encourage you and myself included that praise should be a, a part of your life as a believer. Um, praise can go forth in a few different ways. It's always 
Um, it's not even just the fruit of your lips. There's a, you can have an attitude of praise. Uh, that your heart is just in a place of, I'm just, I'm going to, I'm choosing, like Paul said in Philippians, meditate on the things that are pure, that are praiseworthy, that are just, that are, I mean, in the midst, of, he said this from jail. So it's a choice to choose what you meditate on. I find that when people end up depressed, it's because they've chosen to meditate on the one or two things that ain't going their way and have a pity party and oh and then it's just it's, I just I mean I just put the microscope on the one thing wrong and I've got my eyes completely off the Lord but I believe as believers if we could put our eyes on the Lord on our worst day Jesus died he rose from the grave and we're going to meet him again on our worst day we're going to heaven on our worst day heaven is my home I'm I, one day it doesn't matter what I could get a cancer diagnosis I still going to be healed one day I can find out I lost everything. I'm going to heaven where my real treasure is one day. It's for the believer. It's never, it can be really, really bad, but it's not the end. And I have to choose to have a mind to see that and to be able to praise God in the midst of those things. So a couple verses, if you're writing notes, um, write down Isaiah 61 verses one through three. In that section of scripture, it's a prophetic section of scripture about some of the things Jesus was going to do when he came how he was going to minister to people. And, and, and it talks about there how he's going to give people as a replacement, you know, uh, those that come to him, the, the spirit of praise in exchange for, for heaviness. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn to it so I don't mess it up. Let me um, read just a section of it. It says in Isaiah 61, and then I'm not going to read one through three, but in verse three, it says to console, this is some of the things that Jesus came to accomplish in the lives of those that look to him. He's going to console those that mourn. Uh, he's going to give them beauty in replace of their ashes. It says he's going to give them the oil of joy in replace of their mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And as I read these things, I'm always reminded that I know Jesus came to die for us, but I just want to point out that he came to do so much more. He cares about not just where I'm going after I die. He cares about how I'm doing right now. And he wants me to be in a place where I'll, I'll give you, I'll exchange that, that morning for joy if you take it, uh, if, you, if you look to me. I'll, I'll work in your life. I came to do that. And so if you struggle with this, if you find that you just get bummed out and you get really under it, one thing you need to do is be looking to him. Another thing that we can choose to do is praise. And there's something supernatural and something powerful about praise, especially when things are going wrong. You guys remember Paul and Silas, they were in the jail and they praised and God showed up miraculously. It pleased God. The Bible says that he inhabits the praises of his people. And we know that God is already everywhere at the same time. He says always. But he says, when it says that he inhabits the praises, it's like God says, I'm, I come down close. I lean my ear in. And so he's everywhere all the time. But God says, I show up in a special way when people gather together to praise me. And so, so my encouragement to us is that we would be a people where that would be praise would be on our lips. Uh, that you wouldn't be the grouch. That that wouldn't be your demeanor. That wouldn't be your normal. That wouldn't be your your normal get around. Is that how you how you doing, bro? Oh, you know, man, you know, just I'm just getting by. You know, there's some Christians that that's what they sound like. How you doing? And it's always negative. Man, God ain't never good. It's never going good. It's because it's either your perspective is bad and you're focusing on the bad. Because I tell you this, there are people that are doing great that got bad things happening. They just ain't focusing on it. Uh, it's a matter of focus. There'll be people same. You got the same level of situations happening and you ask them, how's it going? Not faking it. Man, I'm blessed. I'm not telling y'all to do the fake it till you make it type stuff. I'm blessed and highly favored. I'm saying 
in a legitimate way, you know what? I'm blessed. I'm, I'm thankful. You know, these are the things that God is doing. And, and, and you, you ought to have a focus of that. What is, what is he doing? What is God doing right now? Let me, because I got these negative things that are happening. Always do, you guys. We always have some things that are not quite where we want them to be. And those are the things we're praying about and we're seeking God about. But there's always got to be these things over here. But what has God done? What are the victories? What are the praise reports? Oh, you know, my kids over here. Do you have a kid that's doing well? Can we talk about that? One? You know, I mean, we pray for this one over here, but it's like, man, do we have do we have anybody doing well? You know, my my wife and my husband. I mean, is it, it they do anything right? You know, like, I mean, do we have anything we should be? We got to be careful about becoming complainers in the midst of when God. Because, look, God is looking back and saying, man, I bless you. You don't see all that I've done for you, for you guys that are parents. And you know that you've worked hard to provide the house and food and clothing and over and above for your kids. How you feel when they complain like they don't have enough? I feel like taking it all. I'll take it all back. Let me let, complain like you don't have enough. You know, when you got over, you got over the top. I'll take it all back then. You know, so imagine how God feels when we complain after all he's done for us. Right. So we just want to be careful about that. We want there to be praise on our lips. Last verse. If you're writing notes, write down Ephesians chapter five, verses 18 through 20. And I'm going to just read that to us real quick. Ephesians chapter five, verses 18 through 20 says this. And do not be drunk with wine wherein is dissipation, but be filled with the spirit speaking to one another. So how we're talking to each other in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in our hearts to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God, the father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, giving thanks for all things at all. I mean, always giving thanks for everything to the Lord Jesus Christ. But he talks about that. One of the fruits that we're walking in the fullness of the spirit is going to affect how we're speaking. Right. If I'm filled with the spirit, the spirit's not going to spirit is never going to lead me to be a complainer. The spirit is never going to. Man, if I'm walking in the fullness of the spirit, God's not going to say, I'm, I'm going to fill you up with complaints. It's not what he does. He says, you'll be speaking in one of the psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You'll be talking about me. You'll be talking about the things that I'm doing, you know, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. That's what God's going to do in you. So it's a good barometer. Man, am I full of the spirit? What comes out of your mouth? What's the overflow of your mouth? We want there to be some praise in there for the Lord. Amen. Look at verse 21 now. It says, then Israel sent messengers to Sihon, king of the Amorites, saying, let me pass through your land. We will not turn aside into the fields or vineyards. We will not drink water from the wells. We will go by the king's highway until we have passed through your territory. I want to just point this out because um, Israel did this before. Uh, if you guys remember, they did it with Edom. And these are enemies. These are not, you know, I read this and I think, man, I don't know. I mean, should they have been able to say like, you know, we, should there have been some battle in them? Should there have been some, some fight, some war? Um, it just seems like someone they've lost so much. That they're just like, they're in a submitted place already to the enemy. Where they're just coming to the enemy saying, hey guys, if, if you please, if you don't mind, please. Can we, can we work together, enemy? Can we just kind of go through? We won't touch your stuff. Anything we, we use it, we pay for it. Can we please just go through? And that's kind of the position that they're in with the enemy. And I, I would just say this, that there are some Christians that live so defeated. That you can live so defeated for so long that you begin to expect to be defeated. You're not even looking to, to get a victory. You're not even looking to win. And um, saddest thing in the world, if you, if you play on a sports team, uh, the saddest thing in the world is for a team to show up and not even believe they can win. 
I mean, they, you're not even going to try. You just wonder how much we're going to lose by this time. You might as well go home. You know, I think that's the, when as I read this, that's how I hear Israel at this point. They're just like, well, we're just going to go, you know, through the land. You guys, if, if you don't mind, could we please? Could you give us a pass? And they're talking to the people of Sihon. So look at what happens in verse 23. It says, but Sihon would not allow Israel to pass through his territory. Now, that's what Edom did. Edom said, no, you can't go. And they just left. But Sihon does something even more. It says that so Sihon gathered all his people together and he went out against Israel in the wilderness and he came to Jahaz and he fought against Israel. And so he didn't just say y'all can't come through. He's like, I'm going to fight you for asking. And he went and got people and he came out and he pressed the issue. And I'm going to show you something that I found that I thought was really cool here. I read this initially and I think, man, Sihon, that was messed up. But we're going to see if you write notes, write down Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 30. In Deuteronomy 2.30, we see that God is actually working behind the scenes. God hardened this king's heart that he would come against him the way that he did. I'm going to read it to you. In Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 30, it says, But Sihon, king of Heshbon, would not let us pass through, for the Lord your God hardened his spirit and made his heart obstinate, that he might deliver him into your hand. God hardened the heart of Sihon so he would provoke a battle, so he would lose to Israel and Israel could gain their land. So in Deuteronomy 2.30, he says that that it, it wasn't just by chance that he did this. He said God hardened his heart. God hardened his spirit. Now, what does that mean? Because we, we saw the same thing with um, when they were brought out of Egypt where God hardened his heart. Some people look at that and think, well, that's, is that fair? Like if God hardens your heart so you do the wrong thing, is it your fault or God's fault? And this is what it means when God hardens your heart. Let's say your heart is already bent in a direction against God, which was true for Pharaoh, which is true for Sihon. To harden someone's heart, God says, I'm, I'm going to confirm you in your current state. I'm not going to move to change you. I'm not going to, I won't be, my spirit won't be at work to soften you or to draw you. I'm going to harden you in your current position. I'm going to leave you where you're at. That's what it is. When God hardens a heart, same idea when it says that, you know, God will, there'll be people that are, that are brought, that are left reprobate, you know, where, you know, God has been trying to draw you to the Lord and you're resisting and resisting and resisting. Eventually God says, what will happen is, this is how you become a reprobate. I just won't try anymore. There'll come a point where I say, you know what, you get to keep what you got, which is nothing. I'm not going to move upon your life anymore. And so with this king, God hardens him. And, and I believe the reason why is God said, I, God wants Israel to begin to have some victory. So he hardened this king's heart. So Israel's going to be forced to fight because at this point, they're so cowardice. They, have, they don't know how to fight yet. They haven't won a battle yet. They've been just getting beat up and whomped by everybody everywhere they go. They've been punked and taken advantage of and bullied and they've been in sin and God's having to get them. The enemies are having to get them. They're in a very just defeated place. And it's like God sets them up for their first victory so they can get a little taste of what it feels like to win. And I just want you to see that God is a as a loving father. He's behind the scenes setting this whole thing up. I'm, I'm going to cause there to be a fight that you weren't really looking for, but you're going to be forced into it. Then I'm going to give you the victory so you can see what it's like to win when you're walking with me. I read that and I just thought, how gracious is that? They don't have a heart to battle yet. And God said, I'm going to set it all up for you. I'm, I'm, I'm going to help you guys. I'm, I'm going to help get this boat going in the right direction. And so the, the king of Sihon comes out against them. He brought, you know, he, he didn't just say no. He said, no, and we're going to fight against you guys. And then verse 24 says, then Israel defeated him with the edge of the sword and took possession of the land from Arnon to Jabbok, as far as the people of Ammon for the border 
of the people of Ammon was fortified. So Israel took all the cities and Israel dwelt in the cities of the Amorites in Heshbon and in all its villages. For Heshbon was a city of Sihon, king of the Amorites, who had fought against the former king of Moab and had taken all his land from his hand as far as the Arnon. Thanks for joining Pastor Bill on a transforming word as he teaches through the book of Numbers. As you listen to today's message, we pray that it has not only inspired you in your faith journey, but challenged you in your relationships. The book of Numbers recounts the various struggles the people of Israel faced with those outside of their camp, but also within. Surely, there are difficulties you might be facing inside your family, your church, your work setting, and the nation as a whole. But God is still here, and He's proven time and time again that He's not leaving you or abandoning you. So when you're tempted to get down and out, chin up and remember that He is faithful. The messages you've been listening to are in Ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. If you're ever in or near the Inglewood area, you're more than welcome to join us for church. We meet at Calvary Chapel, Inglewood every Sunday and Wednesday. And you can get more information on our website at calvaryinglewood.org. You can also call or text us for more information. Our number is 310-245-4811. Again, that's 310-245-4811. If you're looking for more resources or ways to connect with us, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just look for the links on our website. Again, that's calvaryinglewood.org. Well, that's all we have time for today, but Pastor Bill will have more to share from the Book of Numbers next time on A Transforming Word.